Hello everyone, and welcome to Captain's Quarters, the Star Trek Rewatch podcast, where we are rewatching the entire Star Trek catalog starting at the beginning of the timeline. Today, we are celebrating the fact that we just Woo! wrapped <laughs> uh, season one. Woo! My name's Gabe. Make it so, Jason. Joe Launcher, Gabe. Yeah, so last week we did the season finale of Star Trek Enterprise Season 1. And so today, instead of... That's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. Instead of plunging right into Season 2, we're just going to do a recap of Season 1. A recap both of just kind of what happened, but also more, more so how Jason and I feel and how the experience was for us. Because Jason and I are new to this. And so, you know, I convinced Jason to do this. He was crazy enough to say yes. I was really worried that uh, it was going <laughs> to scare him off. And he never talked to me again, but we did it. <laughs> 26 weeks. Um, which I'm, I'm impressed, Jason. Are, are you impressed that we're able to pull this off so far? You know, I am impressed, but I want to say, first of all, I want to say thank you for this idea um, and bringing me along on this voyage. Um, it's been fun and amazing, and I cannot believe, and I cannot believe 26 weeks have flown by, 26 episodes has flown by like that, and wow, yeah, it's yeah. it's been amazing. It's been amazing how quickly this has gone by. And I just want to say congratulations to you um, for putting this all together and having it. And I think we had a, an awesome season one, and I can't wait for season two. And I want to thank, you know, those people out there who've listened to this, given us a chance. And uh, I hope you keep coming back and uh, listening listening in on the Captain's Quarters. Likewise. I, I have so much gratitude for you, Jason, because... You know, for me, I was already putting content out there and I had to convince you to be a content creator. And you're like, you didn't really push back at all. I but... love the nerdific, uh, I love the nerdific <laughs> videos. Yeah. In my mind, I was thinking like, man, this guy is like, he's like basically like a PhD. He's trying to get his PhD. He's like doing hardcore science. He's like living his life and I'm trying to pull him into this like adolescent uh, <laughs> venture. <laughs> well, you know, you're but, talking about one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite franchises, if not my favorite franchise and one of the reasons I got into science. So, you know. Okay. I can see that for sure. I bet a lot of people actually. Oh, yeah. Get into oh, science yeah. Because I'm sure. Of this show. Like, I think back... Like, I think there was a survey done back in the 90s for Star Trek, the 25th anniversary. And I think it was like 90% of NASA scientists are at, were at NASA or are at NASA because of what Gene Roddenberry created uh, in 1966. Wow. That's, that's like actually mind-blowing. That's crazy. <laughs> well, so... You know, just briefly, so Star Trek Enterprise, as the prequel to all the prequels in the mm -hmm. timeline, a lot of cool stuff happens. A lot of stuff that establishes 
things that were already established establishes how they got there to some extent but expands on a lot of things as I understand it um, you know and just the the highest level recap is this is how humans uh, left earth and became a truly sort of uh, interplanetary ex exploration species right I mean yep. And it's basically the birth of Starfleet. Yep, basically. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The birth of the technology that enables this uh, inter-system traveling. And not just interplanetary, right? It's, I mean, they're going between systems. And they're traveling, uh, I think that at last count, they're 90 light years away from Earth. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's establishing their, their motives their methods of how they're doing this and along the way it, it's forging how this is going to continue to go because everywhere they go there's a new challenge that they have to overcome and uh, and grow along the way and it leads into later on I believe the series things are maybe more routine there's a lot more maybe procedures and um, protocol for how to handle situations because they've done them before but this time they have to like they don't have the protocol they don't have the procedure they have to figure it out and um, to me it's like super interesting I loved it as so I'm gonna quote I'm gonna use a quote from Captain Spock or Commander Spock from Star Trek the motion picture uh, where he says we've witnessed a birth possibly a next step in our evolution and Captain Kirk goes I wonder um, but an analogy to that, uh, <laughs> we're witnessing the birth of Starfleet, we're witnessing the birth of the franchise in many ways, uh, we're seeing, you know, the beginning, uh, we're introduced to the Klingons, the Andorians, the Ferengi, Nausicans, the Rhysians, uh, we got a little bit of the, of, of the force field, um, Akali was one. Yeah, and red alerts, and you know, um, and 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 we're really beginning to see. Did you the, say Sulaban? I yeah, I didn't say the Sulaban, but thank you. Yeah, yeah Sulaban. Um, we're seeing a lot of the Star Trek lore and the canon come together in, or you know, it, we're being introduced to that and and Captain and really the core of. Between Captain Archer and T'Pol's questions about species and cultural interference um, uh, that will evolve to what fans know as the Prime Directive. And I love seeing the beginning of this. Right, me too. And, you know, obviously you and I have very different, maybe expectations going into it for one you had already seen this even though it's been 20 years it's been a long time yep yeah for me i hadn't seen this and i have not seen most of star trek i had seen most of next generation when i was a child and i've seen a lot of the movies not all of them um so i really didn't know what to expect and that was one thing i did want to talk about with this sort of recap episode was my expectations going in because yep. when we said we were going to do this sort of 
thought break recap episode, I was like trying to recall what my mindset was or what my perceptions were of Star Trek going into this because um, I didn't know what to expect. And I, I definitely was, believe it or not, this might sound wrong at first. I was kind of dreading it because I was like, I felt like I had such a big hill to climb, but I was also worried that I was going to have to force it because I thought that um, there must be a reason why I'm not already fanatical about this. I must have been turned off by it. And I thought that it was, you know, I think there's like any subject matter if you just like beat your head against it enough, you'll get it, right? Yeah. I thought it was going to be that. And luckily, it hasn't been that at all. This has been like the highlight of my of my really just my life the past uh, past few months i i really look forward to, to first watching it and then talking about it um but but i think that's because it is so good but also i think i i do i do get it i think i get it uh, i still technically am you know kind of an amateur trekkie here but i think i get um the allure of it which is that it's not it's not about like the normal things that so many shows are about which is like a sci-fi show like this typically would be just trying to wow you with um new technological ideas um it would be maybe like a traditional story with some new tech uh skin on it um but star trek seems to be on this like paradigm of its own it deals with it deals with like ancient um like sort of parables and just like really just like these ethical dilemmas and then it challenges you as the viewer to just reflect in in your within yourself of how would you handle this or what, what do you think the right way to do this is and then it doesn't tell you the answer and to me that's the that's the beauty of it cuz it's like showing you the beauty in that process uh and i I just feel like there's so many times throughout the season when that's when the characters are struggling with their own choice and then we we project onto them like how we would handle it and then we take a little bit of them back with us and we grow with the characters in that way and it's uh, pretty amazing and a lot of shows i don't think have that depth yeah yeah oh yeah don't know no. yeah and i'm glad you've really come to that because you know we were in you know we were in times of trump uh you know and we were and we are still in times of covid 19 and one of the so when life gets hard and or when there's you know, bad things happening in the news. There are sometimes when some of us need to kind of escape. And as you alluded to it, this has been one, a really great escape because Star Trek provides that great escape. And it gives me, even though it was a a hokey, you know, sci-fi, you know, television and movie franchise and comic books and all that kind of stuff. But this provided me... Um, that hour to kind of escape from the 
from the the horrible things happening around the world mm-hmm. and it gives me uh, and again why i came to the franchise of the hope and the optimism for the future that humanity will survive and you know there's human decency in the future and we're you know we've come together and we're exploring space and and doing all those kinds of things and and uh yeah as you said for me uh these last 26 weeks uh has been amazing because i get to go and watch star trek for an hour and yeah kind of escape from the uh the just the onslaught of horrible horrible things going on around the world it's true it and and that was from the get-go i said i think probably in the first episode i said i have grown to appreciate escapism this nerdy nerdy escapism as a way to sort of it's like therapy it's therapeutic um and I, i i found with all the things that i'm into that even if it's temporary it's fine, you know? Exactly. Pride's a exactly. release. Exactly. But I but I do think that this show actually does go transcend that. Or maybe this series transcends that. It does grow your character, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I hopefully totally I'm not being too, you know, um, taking this too seriously. But I really do sure. think that. Um, it, Like I said, just just the questions that it brings up uh i mean it talks about racism you know and it sets it on a different mm-hmm. planet and in the future you know it, this talked about a caste system you know this talked about uh terrorism in a lot of ways with the Sulevan, the cabal i mean mm-hmm. that's a terrorist organization in many ways right. um you know it it takes those ideas and concepts and and puts them in a different planet and in the future and it's you know it's one of the it's one of the cornerstones of star trek and and i think they do it um brilliantly a a lot of times right yeah the sense of exploration also yeah um i think this i think this series especially uh you know the 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 sense of exploration, even the intro song, and the sort of uh, montage that it is with the sort of ships and maps and stuff. It's uh, that sense of exploration is definitely there, and they they're choosing to do so o- over, you know, this idea of like not disrupting anything out there and they're they're choosing to do so in the face of many many reasons not to but they're doing it because it's worth it yeah well um so i was thinking jason what were your some of your favorite moments do you have any oh yeah absolutely absolutely my favorite favorite episodes so one of my like so i i mentioned before that one of the things that i absolutely love about star trek season one it's given me the opportunity because it's been a long time i must say um i am i was one of those fans and i will admit that i'm i I was wrong i was wrong about Mm -hmm. this um 
So I hope, like Deep Space Nine, which Deep Space Nine is now getting, after 20 years of being off the air, is now coming through a renaissance and a rebirth of appreciation among Star Trek fans. And the one thing that I hope that our listeners at the moment um, will also come away with when they watch it, if it's the first time, but I'm really hoping for the fans who were fans of the franchise that they come back to this and that I hope that there is a new appreciation for the this franchise specifically. I, I really do hope that a lot of people come back to this and they are like, wow, this is better than than um than what we remembered from twenty years ago. But some of my favorite so some of my favorite one of my favorite episodes is Dear Doctor. Yes, um, me too. But that's because I love flocks. Yeah, yeah. But they also you know, because they also encountered a species that was going through this evolutionary pandemic mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, killing off um, a species while yeah. the other half or the other species on the planet was doing well and doing okay. That was the um, quintessential example of what I was talking about with these dilemmas. Exactly. You know, what do you do? Do you save one group at the expense of the other? Do you let millions of people die? Um, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, and I love... So, I was hard on Captain Archer in the beginning. I, I was very hard on him because I'm very much a in the mold of Captain Picard. Um and Captain Kirk and Cisco, where there is a enduring respect for uh, for other species, specifically the Vulcans and Tapol. But I love how where there was conflict between the two characters that has transformed throughout the season, and in a very natural way. Um, and a natural progression that they've become confidants to one another. And she is seen as one of his go-to sounding boards. Um, it's kind of like a Kirk-Spock kind of deal that we've come to. Um, where, you know, in one of the episodes... Uh, Fallen Hero... Um, and, uh, it comes to mind, uh, the shadows of Pajem comes to mind where they have that, where they develop this mutual respect and this trust between the two characters. Right. So I love that. Yeah. I think in a traditional storytelling sense, that relationship and and those character dynamics had the furthest to go. And I think they did such a great job. Just, um, you know, the show does such a good job of build of world building and establishing the lore. 
And they did such a good job of establishing this conflict, this like sort of philosophical conflict between Vulcans and humans. And it was clear that it ran deep, but not not just with the current generation. I mean, for even going back 100 years, it seemed that this um, relationship of the Vulcans condescending, to put it lightly, the humans, the humans really begrudging that, that manifesting with to pull um, having to be a crew person on this ship, basically against her will. It's not like yeah. she was forced at the end of a gun or something, but it's not right. what she wanted to be doing. Um, and so you could feel it at the beginning of the series. And now, like you said, she, they've grown together and now they're like, they are to- um, totally aligned and they're friends and you could tell there's love there like it they're and it's it's awesome yeah but they did it very well like it, it took many episodes to yep. get there it was a long journey but that just made it even more rewarding what have been some of your favorite uh shadows of the pajam i think is probably my favorite okay um, just because I, I really do like lore building and them really diving deep into the, the Vulcan, just everything about, um, about their culture, uh, sort of just the, the very, uh, like, um, the root, the root of everything that they, they believe in and what they do and how they get there, um, at the monastery and, uh. Yeah, that that was probably my favorite. You know, actually, now that I think about it, mm-hmm. um, I believe. I'm sorry. I, oh, think I was thinking of Andorian incident. An, the Andorian incident. Yeah, yeah sorry. exactly. Sorry, you said Pajem. I immediately went to so so. Yeah, to clarify, I meant the Andorian incident. Oh, well, yeah. no, no, no apologies because I think I said in the shadows of pajam even though in the shadows of pajam is one of my favorite episodes um right well that that was another one where um it was it was such a good callback but it was you know it it proved shadows of pajam proved certain things because um archer made a hard choice in the andorian incident um he really put his neck out there to do the quote-unquote right thing in his mind, and I think in our minds, too. Yeah. But it was a very dire situation that he created, and it really paid off, basically, in Shadows of Pajem. Um, and it showed how, like, Archer's, like, altruism, even though it's the hard thing to do, it's basically never the convenient thing to do. Um is the it's the admirable thing to do you know and like if we all strive to do that more you know we shouldn't expect dividends from it but there are there are uh rewards from 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 leading a life like that you know yeah i don't know that i i don't think i'm reading too much into it when i say that i i I literally think that's what they were when they wrote those episodes i literally think that's why they wrote that yeah, I, sure. I don't think I'm just like 
reading too much into it do you am i i don't i don't think so i yeah. don't think so because i think rick berman and brandon braga go in those directions a lot of times so i think they do i think they did do that very specifically i don't think um i you know i can't say for certain but i do think from evidence from what they've done together before and where they've gone in the other iterations of the franchise i absolutely do believe that there's evidence to support that for sure absolutely absolutely yeah were there any episodes that kind of you were like, oh, that was interesting, but then any one that surprised, any episode that surprised you? Yeah, I mean, part of it would be, I would, um, I wasn't expecting the hardcore time travel arc even even after the beginning the first episode established the temporal civil war i wasn't expecting the very sort of mind bending time hoppy stuff that happened later on like in i think it's cold front um when when the agent from the future comes back because he's basically protecting the timeline mm -hmm. um because even even though the show is a sci-fi show and it talks about hardcore scientific topics you know there's a lot of antimatter stuff that's way over my head and stuff mm -hmm. like that yeah mm -hmm. i wasn't expecting them to go so hardcore sci-fi there uh, i don't know why it took me by surprise when it happened um but it was cool. I, I enjoyed it. It was and it was a very interesting topic. And then I thought it was the when they called back to it in the season finale, which we just talked about. Um, I thought it was really well done. And then I would say my least favorite episode for me, um, I think, was called Oasis. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That was one of my favorite episodes, actually. I love that episode. I yes. love that episode. So, that so in that episode, they visited a ghost ship, basically, quote-unquote. Yep. Tom Bergeron's guest starred at the very beginning, told them about this ship, where you could get what they need, because the Enterprise needed some supplies and repairs. They went down and they discovered a man and his daughter who were um, using some kind of projection technology where they were projecting fake people. Holograms. This is holograms. The, this was one of the first this was the first time I think we saw holograms that were introduced. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I love this episode. I loved I loved Oasis. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I loved this is... I loved it. Yeah, the, the, I think a lot of hardcore, uh, like nerdy kind of Star Trek fans. Um, I, uh, although I could be wrong, I, I I may be the only one, but I I loved Oasis. It it was, yeah, it it it's classic. It's one of those classic, I think, classic Trek episodes, where it kind of makes you think about it. <laughs> yeah, well, it felt it felt like very generic sci-fi to me. But but a bigger reason why, <clears throat> excuse me, it was my least favorite 
is that I don't like hologram technology in oh, okay. sci-fi. And that might surprise you a bit because I'm a big Star Wars fan. I am. I'm like, wow. Because, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my yeah. own hope. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing with Star Wars, Star Wars doesn't pretend to um, adhere to any sort of real physics or anything. I mean, it's constantly, it just doesn't care about it. So, but when other shows or movies have it, and they present it as um, some in inevitability of where tech is going. Mm -hmm. I just personally don't think holograms are possible. I don't think photons can be suspended in in space like that. Okay. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Okay. Like, yeah. like the the things that you see are from the photons emitting or bouncing off of them from a fixed point but in the air or space or whatever there's nothing there there is no object that the photons are like bouncing off of or whatever um so it, it's it's just not how they behave and so unless they figured out something to bend them like to create a false origin uh -huh. in in the air for the photon then to point at your eye as if they were bouncing off of something that was there i just don't think it's possible and i don't think it ever will be and it bothers me that they're so um ubiquitous in the sci-fi world in sci-fi sure yeah it's any usually if there's a movie that has it it, it immediately takes me out and it's a big reason why oh. i actually don't like the marvel movies um is because like they're very fast and loose with like like in the Iron Man movies, mm -hmm. full on hologram scenes with Tony Stark and stuff, and I just can't get into it. And it bothers me that there's no attempt to to talk about how unrealistic it is. I don't know, so I just don't like it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so. Unfortunately, so no for holographic projector at any time, anytime soon for Gabe. Yeah, well, because like in the real world, there are hologram type things, but there's yeah. always it's it's like an illusion. It's there's like a base, um, like a mirror or something, mm -hmm. and it's more. I guess it's more three D than hologram. Um, okay, but. I don't know. It's, it just it just bothers me when when they act like in five years we're going to have these things. It's like, oh, no, we're not. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll be eating my words in five years. Like, no, you know, I don't think so either. I don't we can, we can yeah. check back on this in 40 years and yeah. I'll be like, told you. <laughs> <laughs> but but so the, to me, this episode was more about the 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 uh, i mean there there was the the character analysis of the father and the lengths that he would go to uh for his daughter and how we all kind of would go would go there but but to me it just it wasn't that compelling um it it would have been one thing if it had been like he created these imaginary friends for his daughter 
and it was that angle of like he wanted her to have a normal life and so he created like but she was in on the secret so it was it was just boring man i don't know i didn't i didn't maybe i missed something i don't know and then top it off it was one of the ones where the humanoids were just barely not human they just had a little bit of paint on their temples or whatever it was just all my least favorite things oh okay all right yeah sure okay the the one part i did like like i said the the analysis of the father and how he abandoned his post to mm-hmm. save his daughter like to me that's that is a very kind of an emotional thing and i think i just more like the emotional explorations that the other episodes get into okay 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 and and this one just felt just almost pure science fiction to so. me to me this one had a little bit of um like the story of prospero and miranda okay from the tempest and shakespeare so the father-daughter relationship although it could be a you know um it, 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 yeah that's what it felt like to me and then there was a and then there's an episode the original original pilot called the cage uh and it had a lot of elements to me from that episode uh mm-hmm. see i think um, the bar was lower than you know sure you you know back in you know the twilight zone they can they can make a whole episode based on like <laughs> what if you sure, know sure and back then that's like mind blowing compelling because it's so different than regular storytelling but now we're like now at best we're just it's a it's an homage to that that wonder about like thinking about some new stuff or whatever mm-hmm. So I, I, I do want to bring up one episode that I hope in our podcast episode, on our rewatch episode of Shuttle Pod 1, mm-hmm. I hope we don't come off as, because it's one of our shorter ones, mm-hmm. and because it is one of the ones where there's no in-your-face conflict because it's running out of oxygen, because it's running out of time, I really hope that people give that episode another shot, because I thought Shuttle Pod 1 is one of the best and one of the more underrated Season 1 episodes that we've talked about. And boy, you guys, and boy... Everyone's probably like, man, this Jason guy, you know, he really says a lot of times this was one of his favorite episodes. But truly, I think Shuttlepod 1, and it's, and it's hard to talk about because there isn't an enemy. There isn't, it's an invisible one. It's time. It's a race. It's, the, the tension is built in the story and it's not like you know oh they're battling the klingons and they're being outgunned you know four to one or you know they're being chased by a ton of Suleban ships or whatever and what are they going to do like in the last episode in the mm-hmm. shadows or I, i'm sorry shockwave part one i really hope that 
that people, listeners, watchers, uh, really get a chance to really delve into Shuttlepod 1. Because, again, it was one of our shorter podcast episodes, but it was a really good episode. And for our listeners, so it's a that episode is a two-hander, I think they call it, and it's basically just yeah. two characters, and the entire episode is just them two. So just very dialogue-centric, and the set was just the small shuttle pod, so it's not like they had anywhere to go or do or see or do. It was just the dialogue between them two. And my complaint about it at the time. And I, I stand by, it's just it wasn't as interesting because it seemed like these characters were just flexing or the, at the, or that the show was flexing. Uh, and, and, and that's not to take away from their acting chops. I think they are brilliant actors and I think they did beautifully. It's just like, I'm not necessarily watching Star Trek for that. And I felt like it was like, I, I mean, I can just imagine them behind the scenes being like, you guys ready for this? It's just you two. It's the entire episode. Are you up for it? <laughs> and they're like, heck yeah, we are. And that was their time to shine. And, and it was, but it's just it's just less interesting than the, the more um, universal themes and stuff that we've been talking about, so... So I'm going to disagree. So I think I did this. I think I did this before, and I think I'm going to do it again. But <laughs> but I'm going to disagree with my co-host on this one. One of the very few times. Um, yeah, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. One of the few times. <laughs> um, I loved it. I loved this episode because this was one that takes on some of the hardcore some of the hard sciences like they actually took hard science in the challenge of surviving in space while running out of oxygen if if to those listeners out there if you're a fan of apollo 13 apollo 13 and the martian the martian Mm. is that the one with matt damon where they have to go right he's Mm -hmm. stranded on mars yeah yeah, so, and he has to, quote-unquote, science the shit out of, you know, mm-hmm. these things and work out problems to survive because you're facing an invisible enemy. I absolutely loved it. And secondly, I loved it because it was like a play. It it very much because it was like a waiting for Gatto. Like, it's just these, it's just, as you said, it's just these two characters, Trip and Reed, Tucker and Reed, uh, you know, are we gonna survive? You know, one's got more of a optimistic, one's more of a pessimist, and but they're trying to, you know, take what they have and quote unquote again science the shit out out of surviving in time for the Enterprise to arrive back and pick them up. I I love I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I liked that part too because the optimism won. Tucker, yeah. mm-hmm. Tucker being the optimist, one, and you know Tucker is closer to Archer. Uh, sometimes, sometimes their optimism is sort of of the Han Solo variety. It's yes. kind of like just a bunch of dumb luck and parlor tricks type yes. thing. Yes, yes. But that's okay because it's uh, there's some it's comforting somehow 
um, when our characters do that. They kind of just go, screw it. I know, I, I believe in myself, and mm-hmm. I yep. know the right thing to do, sort of instinctually, instead of thinking my way through it or whatever. And sometimes that's nice. And I think when the person is like maybe pure of heart, then um, the show, in my opinion, reinforces the idea that doing so. Uh, living your life that way leads to more good than bad. And again, I feel like I feel like it sounds like I'm overthinking it, but I, I literally think this is exactly what Rick Berman and Brand Breger are writing when they write these things. I think so too. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm gonna. I, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, definitely. So I, I did like the optimism versus pessimism thing. I I didn't think the survival part. I I mean some some of it was intriguing. The fact that Tucker um, was willing to sacrifice himself for his friend, and the way they used the food to plug the holes and stuff. Yeah. So it was somewhat interesting. I just you know like those things can be really cool. Like when you watch an episode of MacGyver or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's what the yeah. whole show is about. Yeah. Like yeah. those things can exactly. be really intriguing. Yeah. I I didn't feel it. I'm glad you did. So I, I'm just going to assume that I was missing it, you know? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it's part, of, part of it, too, is just because, like, in MacGyver, it's all real-world current stuff. Sure. But, like, but we don't know if mashed potatoes would literally plug a hole in a spaceship. We don't know if mashed potatoes has the appropriate viscosity or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't yeah. know if future. If, I, think, I think I think if you've ever had my aunt's mashed potatoes, sorry, uh, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but we don't know if like future um, scanners are going to be powerful enough to like detect some explosion like light years away, and no, so so part of part of like the MacGyver thing is because it it asks you like what would you do in this situation, right. And in here, it's like it's just so beyond the realm of like anything that we experience from day to day that I don't know. I just didn't connect with it very much. Okay. Okay. And as you said, it, it was like a play, and I think yep. that's exactly what they're going for. Yeah. But again, yeah. but again, it's like I'm here to watch Star Trek. I'm not here yeah. to watch a play. <laughs> and the fact that I am watching a play means they're flexing. So. I agree with you on that. I agree yeah. with you on that one. But yeah, I, I, it was when I when that that when that episode started, I was like, ah, oh, I am at the theater again. It was very nice. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that brings up a good point. Like, there is now a list of movies that I want to see that this show will make reference to, and the characters will actually watch. Uh, that I want to see because I haven't seen any of the ones that they that they um, oh, okay. make reference yeah. okay. to. Like, yep, yep, yeah. the ones that they have in the yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's some list out there in the internet that I'm sure recaps them all. I'm I'll sure have to one of these days when I have time. I'm sure. Any other favorites or least favorites? Oh, um. The pilot I thought was really good. Um, it was one of the best pilots I think I've, I've seen. Yeah. It was very ambitious. 
um, in you know a lot of times that's not the case um, yeah like when they go to, to Rigal 10 I think it is um, just they went all out with the, the character design and yeah. just the wor- world building they went nuts and I loved it yeah it was, it was really cool um, the other one that I very much the one that I can think about um, and the only reason I'm kind of uh, uh, is because I don't remember listeners this is one of my well uh, hey let me let me ask you while you think of it what did you my... think about new elements they they introduced with established um, new elements creatures like Klingons or Vulcans you know because I think we learned and saw things about those two cultures that we hadn't seen in prior series before um like with vulcan like i mean going to pajem and and talking about just like the different um rituals behind their meditation or even like with the klingons like going to their ships and talking about their different um eating habits or just stuff like that yeah so um i am really glad uh that this that this iteration of the franchise for Vulcans in particular that there is an that we see the the bruises, the bumps, the scrapes, the the negatives of mm-hmm. what Vulcans are in this moment in Star Trek history, that they portray themselves as this logical, um, you know, evolved logical species, not you know against war and against you know, killing. And I'm really glad they pulled back the curtain a little bit and we're seeing, you know, and to, to, to highlight the Andorian incident, I mean, you know, there is this arrogance and this uppityness that, you know, we're peaceful and we're logical and all that kind of stuff. And yet, their monastery is a listening post <laughs> to spy on the Andorians. You know, there's they bring them, they bring elements of the Vulcan government, Vulcan society, and they paint a much more rounded picture of it, of them, than we've ever seen in other iterations of this franchise. Right. And I know we we draw a lot of parallels to Star Wars, but to me it felt like the Jedi, where in the old trilogy you had very few Jedi, and all we had was stories about them. And then the prequels, we actually see their working, functioning um, Jedi sort of culture and society in its... In its full, you know, I would go one further. I um, 
I, 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 you know, because I love doing this. Uh, I, I, I kind of connect it also to the rebellion. So in the original series or in the original three movies, mm-hmm. the rebellion is portrayed as this, um, as this righteous, you know, group that's together and and all that kind of stuff, fighting the good fight against the empire. But in Rogue One, one of my favorite, my second favorite Star Wars film of all time, mm-hmm. um, behind Empire. Yes, fans, I will fight you on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, we in Rogue One, they pull back the curtain, and you see that um, that there are fractures, and there are fissures, and there are, you know, Captain Andor is is commanded, is given an order to kill um, Galen Erso. You're like, you, you know, in the, in the original, you know, series, in the original three films, you're like, you would never hear an order like that come from the rebellion up, you know, from the high, the chain of command of the rebellion. And they pull back the curtain for both the Empire and the, uh, and the rebellion the Rebel Alliance and that, you know, Rogue One had to go on by themselves because there wasn't support. There wasn't this, there was, you know, there are these blemishes that you see from the Rebellion and the Empire. You know, the the power dynamics between Ground Moff Tarkin and Director Krennic. You know, you're not seeing that it's this very ordered and very, you know, monolithic thing. You're seeing a very... Um, you see the gray areas. You're seeing the devils in the details of how complicated both the Rebel Alliance and the Empire are. Yeah, it, it is really compelling. And it's something that, to me, I, I just never anticipate um, that they would even go there. If anything, I would expect them to go in the opposite direction to to really like illuminate... like how perfect quote unquote they are or or whatever. And they would basically just be like these like sages, like sitting in a beam of light meditating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it, it's pretty, I, I hear you. I hear you there for sure. And that, and that brings me to the one episode that I was thinking about detained. I loved it. Detained. Y- they peel back. The Tandarans and the Suluban. The Suluban, mm-hmm. that not every Suluban is part of the Cabal, right? right. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I love that they were being. You know, I love that they went there. I love that they showed a, pretty much an Executive Order nine zero six six, where they detained Suluban families, women, children, men. And that we're, they're not all part of the cabal. And I, lo- I love Detained. Detained is one of my favorite episodes. And I know I say that a lot. And <laughs> Yeah. No, that, I, I've said of that a lot. But yeah. yeah, Detained. That was a great episode. That one really was. Um. Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, 
It's I'm I'm impressed that we're able to recall so many details. Me to too. Be honest. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, I didn't prepare for this episode nearly as much as I had liked to. Um, but it's it's great great to see that we're actually able to recall some but you know some what? good I enough think, details to talk about. You know. But you know what I think? I think the cool thing about this podcast, um, and I, I might be a little biased here, but I love that it is much more of a conversation. You know. That yeah. we can, you know, again, have the disagreements and, you know, you think that, ah, oh, Jason, you're an idiot and that, you know, Oasis is, <laughs> you know, or, or Shuttle Pod 1 is a boring episode, you know, I, you know, and we both can, you know, share our, our, um, our points of view. And I hope that it comes across to our listeners that, you know, join us for our conversation. It's kind of like sitting down having coffee together. Or sitting down actually in the captain's quarters. And I think this is why we called it the captain's quarters, because you, we can have that um, enter a room and a safe space and, and talk about these things and have disagreements. Absolutely. And yeah, and that was the genesis of the whole thing anyway, because we do this anyway. Yeah. Even if we're not recording, you <laughs> yeah. and I, it's just like all we yeah. talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that said, is there anything else you wanted to talk about as far as season one? Uh, no, I think... Of Star Trek Enterprise? Yeah, I think we've done... Yeah. Uh, let me just say again, I hope uh, fans come back around and um, and give this uh, iteration of the franchise a second chance. Oh, um, let me... Uh, so in news, in Star Trek world... Uh, apparently, to put, they're going to bring back, there are rumors that they're going to bring back Archer, um, but today, as of this recording, that, um, T'Pol and, uh, Dr. Phlox will be coming back in some iteration of the new, of the new series whether that's discovery or wow brave new uh strange new worlds wow um, again uh, it's a rumor but uh i've heard that there've been pretty credible sources that they are wanting to bring those three characters back into the franchise no way that's crazy yeah, so i hope they cool. do i hope they do too yeah yeah that's awesome um not not knowing how where any of those other shows are placed i don't i have no idea are they decades after uh, enterprise yeah they are uh so yeah so uh if they come back in discovery i'm not sure how they'd bring back archer into strange new worlds Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely see them bring easily to Paul because Vulcans... They don't age yeah, the same I mean, rate as humans. They're long-lived species, yeah. so I could... We don't know about... I'd uh, love to see that. Denubulans, right? Yeah, we don't know that. Yeah, we don't know very much about the biology of Denubulans, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Hmm. And I hope so, too. And I hope they bring to Paul back because she is actually one of my favorite characters. Yeah, me too. Yeah, she's great. Um. Uh. Yeah. Well. So yeah, just want to thank you again 
Um, it's been, you know, this was the perfect pandemic activity. Yes. For me. Yes. Um, you know, we needed, we couldn't leave the house for the most part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this gave me something to do because I wasn't going out. So now I had something to do on the weekends and And it turned out to be one of my favorite things ever. And I'm really glad that, you know, technology gives us this opportunity because, I don't know about you listeners, but I don't know if we've said this, but um, Gabe lives in the Phoenix area, and I live in the Seattle area, and I love that we can yeah, get on Zoom or Google Meet or whatever and yeah, and do this together and and feel like we're in we're sitting together in the captain's quarters having tea or coffee or something and having a chat. Having Earl Grey, right? Yep. Or, you know, Captain... Uh, Janeway having a cup of coffee so absolutely well um, with that being said um, please follow on Spotify Um, you know it doesn't take anything to follow on Spotify with something like Apple podcast there is a a download um, yes Mm -hmm. a memory overhead yeah Yep. You know, and I'm constantly having to wrestle with that. So that's why I'm always telling people, just follow us on Spotify. It costs yeah. you nothing. Yeah. And if you want to yeah. stream the episode when it comes up, go ahead. But, uh, I mean, it's lit- following us on Spotify is literally two clicks away. Yep. You know, click on the link from Twitter or whatever. And then once you're in Spotify, just click the little follow button. So that's it. It, was, it takes it less than because- five seconds. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because there was there are nights where I'm like, you know, hey Google or hey Alexa, because we have both. Uh, you know, play uh, the Captain's Quarters by Nerdific on Spotify, and boom, it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. Wow. It was great. It's great. Um, yeah, and then so so I did one thing I haven't even told you yet, Jason. I did start a Twitter account just for the oh, podcast. Cool. Oh, cool. So I have the Nerdific.com Twitter account. Okay. But now there's a Captain's Quarters um, Twitter. I'm sure if you just typed in Captain's Quarters Star Trek Rewatch Podcast, it would show up. I would hope it'd show up. Uh, but the u- username is uh, Captain's Quarters Pod. Oh, cool. And all the vowels and quarters are, are gone. So it's just okay. Okay. Q- QTRS Pod. QTRS. Okay, yep. Captain's cool. QTRS Pod. Uh, so yeah, f- follow us there again. It's just, it's just a click of a button. It's yep. not a big deal. And I want to thank all of those who already have uh, will, clicked that button and yeah. started listening to us. I really, I, 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 I really appreciate it. I really, I really do for those. Thanks, yeah. mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, because we are just starting out, and so you know, and there's a lot of podcasts out there, and so anybody listening to this definitely appreciate it because there's just so many choices out there. Um, and I have to say, you know, Jason, just starting that Captain's Quarters uh, pod Twitter, I have uncovered a previously unknown world to me, which is Star Trek Twitter, yes. which uh-huh. might be my new favorite corner of the internet. <laughs> it's a very friendly, um, supportive, creative place. I... I, within days, got up to 60 followers. Wow. Which I'm ashamed to say with the Nerdific 
Twitter handle took years to get there. Uh-huh. Um, so it just shows you uh, how amazing the, like the Star Trek community is. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah. Wow. And and any any other so, Star Trek so podcast? That, I can't wait yeah. to bring you to a uh, Star Trek convention. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever this coronavirus hell is over. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be that'll be awesome. I am definitely down with that, and we're definitely gonna suit up in some uh, absolutely I, yes, <laughs> some Starfleet absolutely. Starfleet absolutely. suits. <laughs> I will break out the uniform. Do you have one? Yes. I do. That I is do. fantastic. I do. I do. That is fantastic. I do. Is there like a an official like like do you have to get it from Star Trek.com no, for it to be official no, or whatever? No, or? Okay. no, no, no. Uh I mean, you know, there are so many places out there. I mean, you can go Yes, you can go to um Oh, I don't remember some of the um official you know where you can spend like a thousand dollars um on a an unofficial replica of you know whether it's a classic series or the next gen or deep space or voyager or discovery um but there are so many websites out there where you can you know um get your own iteration of the uniform well which era is yours from i'm gonna guess next generation it is the next generation, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'm not going to get mine anytime soon, but, yeah, but as sure. soon as it's time to hit up one of those, I'm all over it, man. Sure. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With that said, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you in season two of Star Trek Enterprise. It's going to be awesome. Yep. May the force be with you all. All right, live long and prosper. See ya. See ya.